Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Customer Advisory Lead Intelligent ERP at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Not only in working relations, leadership is a topic which affects anybody, be it if you are in the position to lead others or others lead you. Even though we are talking mostly about enterprise applications in this podcast and this industry, it is undisputed that the way key functions do their job probably affects enterprise success even more than bits and bytes. Leadership might be a hot discussed topic and leadership gurus like Simon Sinek might be omnipresent and whenever you see some shared wisdoms from them, you can be sure it got at least 100 likes on social media. But still, in many cases on the one hand not the best leaders but the best experts are promoted into leadership positions where they do sometimes a little bit more harm than good and on this other side those who have gotten into these positions often think about what have I done to myself? Obviously being completely unprepared for leadership. So lots of topics to discuss since I have the pleasure to host Sven Heidenreich who is Managing Director of Heidenreich Consulting specializing in executive coaching. Because this is what's going to happen here on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Hi Sven. Hi Alex. Great to have you. We are talking today about a topic that matters not only to anybody working in a corporate environment, but is playing a role almost in any social interaction humans act can actually do, which is leadership. When anybody probably has a subjective opinion about this topic, you as the MD and executive coach of your own consulting company are heavily engaged into that complex on a professional basis. How did that topic leadership become so important to you that you decided to focus on it? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Much appreciate being invited. Um, leadership, I would say, um, started to be of interest to me when I actually began my leadership career um, myself in the consulting industry. I, I had been um, involved in consulting for roughly 15 years, and 10 of which I was a leader for a consulting team or a team of consultants, basically. Um, so that's where I began diving into concept of leadership, what's a good leader, what's a bad leader, and what's the impact of good leadership or bad leadership on the team and on the organization, etc. Was like a thing which you more or less consumed was then suddenly expected from you? Yeah, pretty much the latter, I would say. Mm -hmm. It is um, something that you're, you're not officially taught, right? I mean, I was... I was part of a team back then, and um, I began, you know, taking leadership responsibility as the primus inter pares, you know, you know, first of the bunch. And I was selected from the team, which didn't make it easier actually to begin with, you know, to be, you know, from a peer to a leadership role. And that's that's very often very difficult, and it was for me as well. So um, of course, I read up on things, you know, literature on leadership, etc. And there, there have been so many concepts out there. Uh, probably going to talk about that here in this um, conversation as well. I mean, you talk about egalitarian leadership, authoritarian leadership, you talk about uh, compassionate leadership. I mean, there's so many different styles out there, right? And you get confused. Uh, what, what's, a good, what, what's a good leader look like, actually? And that's where I began to dive into this, this um, leadership responsibility from a theoretical point of view. But very practically, uh, very easy, you know, very soon I began to realize that, you know, that's a theory. 
and then uh, then there is the everyday work that you do as a leader, as a manager. You know, you know, managing managing and uh, tasks and and departments, and leading people. So um, I pretty soon began to realize, you know, there's this gap between theory and practice, and you got to find your own path. You got to find your own way to become a good leader. Uh, very circumstantial, very situational, um, and, and there's even a leadership style out there, you know, called situational leadership. Yeah, so that that also didn't help, and you know, so you have to, as a leader. The the one thing I found out very personally is you you got to find your own pace, your own path. Uh, you know, much orient yourself towards the needs of those who you actually lead. Start asking questions. That's pretty much how I, how I approached it. You know, at, at some point I just put away all the literature and all the studies out there in leadership, and I myself began to ask myself questions such as, you know, what does my team want? What are their needs? What does the company company expect from them, etc. And when when you put as a baseline, where are we now in the year 2020s? Um, where what is leadership like? Definitely, there is probably not just one style. Mm. I think everybody of us experience this every day that there are, um, let's say, certainly a thousand as many or as many styles mm. as there are people out there. But is leadership in general being now different like maybe 20 or 40 years ago? I think roughly answering the question, I would say yes. Um, and that, yes and no. Let's Let's start with a yes. I think leadership is often, cannot be, looked at in isolation. I would say there's different trends, different, um, the environment is important. You know, where leaders thrive in certain environments and they, you know, they, they disappear very soon in other environments. Um, so I would say 20, 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't have, you know, the amount of data and information we see today that leaders are confronted with today. That's, you know, one of the trends, the digitalization, automation, etc. So there's um, this Enormous, this enormous increase in the um, the speed we need to, um, uh, you know, dissect and analyze information, and so that's. I mean, there's different demands on leaders today than there were 20 to 30 years ago. I think leaders back then, you know, traditionally traditional leaders, even um, they were referred to as traditional leaders today, and authoritarian leaders. You know, leaders back then, successful leaders back then, probably could talk more. They could, you know, um, impose their opinion on others more easily, because they, you know, generally the perception back then would have been, tell us where we need to go, you know, have the answers. Mm -hmm. And I think today, leaders are well advised to listen more, to be more competent, and you know, have have more pronounced listening skills and ability, realizing that they don't need to be the smartest person in the room anymore. They, there are others in the room who are a lot smarter. And I think leaders probably knew that back then as well, but I think today's environment makes it easier for them to admit that, to concede that, you know, I'm not, I don't need to be the smartest person in the world, uh, world and also not in the room. I have my people for that. And leadership is a different, um, it's a different thing today, a different animal today completely. It's, it's not, you don't need to be the technical expert, the best of the, you know, crowd in terms of your technical expertise, you you have the responsibility to listen to people, to uh, collect information um, objectively. And when we talk about authentic leadership in a bit, you know, that's where this has come in, uh, into play very um, 
very importantly and very predominantly. Um, you know, so you collect the information, you ask the right questions, and then obviously you put it all together, and then you are, you have the grounds and the ability and the, the information that you need in order to, you know, set the right path into the future. And that's still required from leaders, successful leaders today, of course. You know, they have to have the vision. But in order to get there, you don't need to, to do it on yourself or just by your own, um, by, by yourself. You, you can rely on other people. I, I'm talking now as an amateur about this topic, um, of course, concerns. But w from, let's say, my my um, my position and or my, um, let's say, feeling about this, probably many cases people are appointed as a leader mm -hmm. who are taken for, let's say, probably one of the most competent people in that area from that uh, from from that um, uh, department or that let's say pool where they are chosen from when you say like they do not have to be the more the most competent anymore um, isn't it still in many cases the same like to be accepted as a leader you have to show competence in the area where you are working I think that's still true yeah I mean I mean again that's to, to a degree where you're being accepted. Yeah. You can be accepted on the grounds of your technical expertise, um, but I think also as technical expert, I think you know one thing I'd like to highlight is uh, in today's environment, um, many organizations begin to realize that they need to honor and appreciate and um, pay technical experts uh, you know, a similar amount of money or you know, pay them atten attention to them and being grateful to them in whatever respect um, as they do to managers and leaders, et cetera. So one, when organizations begin to do that and they value the, the expert track um, the same way then that they, they actually uh, appreciate or value the, the manager or leadership track, then we don't have that um, inherent conflict anymore so much. And to, to, to realize that and then we'll, we'll put experts in the position where they can actually acknowledge, yeah, of course, that is a leader because the leader has certain competencies that I don't have, and I don't want to be involved in leading. You know, that's not my cup of tea. Uh, I just want to do my thing, and I get enough money, I get enough appreciation from the organization. And then we don't have that friction or that gap anymore or the conflict anymore between leaders and experts so much. And they can just begin to, experts that is, they can begin to appreciate and value leaders for what they do better than, than that they could do themselves, which is... Having a certain amount of uh, technical competence and et cetera, that's a given, but it's not necessarily, they don't have to be the same shining stars in certain uh, expert fields as maybe they are, but they have additional competencies, leadership competencies, and, and they can lead people, they can motivate them, they can you know, install or instill uh, inspiration, et cetera, which is maybe not, not everybody's uh, thing to do. So it, it, it seems, um, if I like put this together, like there are three aspects, as far as I understood, where maybe we have still a little bit of a way to go. But first, it's, of course, like the, the companies who have to build up the tracks where uh, an expert is mm -hmm. in the same way, let's say, evaluated, paid, and so on, like a leadership person. On the second way, um, the leaders themselves, or we as employees ourselves, because we should not run behind this, let's say, golden cow of thinking like, when I have like a certain amount of people under me, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I have made a career. Yeah. yeah, that's probably where the individual itself really has to change. Um, and of course, in the third way, in the direction of um, 
I have to accept somebody as a leader for his leadership qualities and not always asking like um, he's telling or he's proposing or he's giving the direction in, in, in a certain way. Um, is he entitled to do, is he competent enough from his, like, let's say, technical competence um, enough to do this? So, so probably I think this is a level um, where, um, or an area where all these three elements Need to come to together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the organization, as you put it. Yeah, I couldn't say, couldn't have said it, put it any better. It's the organization, the acknowledgement there. It's the the leader, uh, potential leader, and also the uh, the experts or uh, those being led. Also, yeah, and, and and see the leader in a different light. It is just one thing that you can do. And and also, I would add that would essentially put a lot more emphasis on your leadership skills. Whereas today, you know, we're, we're kind of expecting leadership capability or competency to be something that you have. You know, once you're appointed, you know, the assumption is, you know, he's, he's got to do that. He's probably, you know, doing that well enough. But it's not, you know, I've, I've been in the field of assessing leadership skills for 15 years now. And I, I would say we are not putting enough emphasis on really strengthening leadership skills. I mean, very often we appoint people to become leaders and then we find out actually, you know, they've been just the best expert and we don't, we haven't really uh, identified their competency or measured their, their ability to lead others. And then all of a sudden we need to worry about training and coaching and all these type of things where the smart way would have been to think about that um, beforehand and actually identify certain competencies, leadership competencies to be measured before we appoint somebody to become a leader of others because that is quite a, a big lever that you have in your hand, you know, that's a lot of damage that you can do as a, yeah. uh, as an unreflected or, you know, as I would say, inauthentic leader. I mean, mm. what, yeah. And, and I think not only trust, you can do a lot of damage to um, your company or your peers and so on, but probably also to yourself, mm. because I, I know some cases where people became leaders or were appointed leaders. And that was basically the, the moment when they're, let's say health, career, mm -hmm. and so on, went down because mm -hmm. they were then in a position or meeting expectations they could not meet. And uh, their, let's say, second career as burnout patients started at that moment. It's a, yeah, same same here. I mean, I've, I've seen so many leaders actually who have been, you know, overwhelmed with the responsibility all of a sudden because they, and I like to talk about drivers, you know, there's mm -hmm. different drivers and, and um, as opposed to values, you know, especially when I talk about authentic leadership in, in a second. Uh, but that's also true for many of us out there in this um, economic environment where it's all about, you know, gains and, and, you know, earning money for the organization, et cetera. When we only focus on that, the external uh, rewards, et cetera, um, then we tend to you know, obviously not look enough to the inside and actually what makes us a good leader, what's our values, what's our, our, our why, if you want to use that word, why do we actually want to lead people and these type of things. We tend to get burned out if we just look, you know, externally to the outside where rewards and the everything that's out there. You know, the, in terms of the drivers, there's things out there like, uh, maybe you can relate to that. I, I certainly can. Uh, you know, be perfect, be 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 fast. You know, be be strong. Um, you know, be agreeable and and try try hard, work hard. You know, these are the drivers out there that all drive us. On a positive side, those things make us successful. And we very often we see those drivers very, um, you know, visible and um, they're very uh, prevalent out there and very successful uh, uh, people, leaders, and uh, and the like. But th there's there's a downside to that where, you know, I as a coach of, often ask, you know, what's the price that you pay for that success, for being driven uh, so much? 
and there's definitely a price where where I would say that you know we need to turn around once in a while, once in a while and actually confront ourselves with who we are as human beings why are we in this role what makes us uh, want to lead people um, you know starting with leading ourselves right you know you got to start there and ask the right questions you know why am i in there how do i lead how do i lead myself and then where do i lead want to lead others to you know what's the goal the destination so asking those questions that's a good start so it's in a certain way about being honest to yourself maybe that desire to become a leader or to be a leader or that urge is more or less just a golden cow which is not maybe helpful and you um, put a lot of effort in your professional life now on the concept of authentic leadership what are the basic elements and attributes of this concept mm. i think we're already beginning to talk about we've already started to talk about it you know one is you know being self-aware uh, that's i mean there's lots of research out there there's been lots of research sparked in the arena of authentic leadership due to various reasons let's start there maybe and you know there's been the financial crisis 2007 you know that there's there has been a lot of mistrust you know whenever there's mistrust in the, the leadership uh, of the day you know there's there is the spark which brings forth the need for stability reliability etc so authenticity is basically a concept that has gained a lot of traction ever since then but even before then and and, and you know, we've talked about digitalization automation loss of jobs etc so times of uncertainty also are you know paving the way for uh, such a concept of authenticity um, but um, yeah, to answer your question uh, one of the elements is um, self-awareness you know looking inside being being open enough to take a real hard look at at yourself wanting to reflect who you are um, you know more generally speaking if you if you move to towards uh, authenticity why are you here asking yourself the the basic question and you know, what's my purpose here uh, and that's that obviously that's a uh, spills over into your professional life um, so that is one uh, self-awareness the other one is transparency and being transparent uh, about who you are um, inside out you know your emotions and your needs etc talk about that openly and let that uh, shine through let let you know show others and your behavior what's motivating you what's driving you what what your emotions and feelings are and you know, I, i could go on talk about emotions and feelings and what the difference between our emotions and feelings is etc so maybe that's a whole different story but authentic leaders are, are good at doing that and whereas very often we hear uh, people being a little bit hesitant or even reluctant to to show their feelings and emotions because they they regard them to be signs of weakness yeah. well you know especially in the in the environment where we work um you know with uh, still alpha animals out there and really type of leaders who would just frown on that and they say you know they discard people who are actually open about their feelings and emotions but there has always been leaders and before i get to the other two maybe just one example of a not authentic leader who used to be very very successful in the 1980s or 90s he's called mark mccormack not too many people know him these days and that's that's what happens to all of us right um when we're off stage and you know very 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 soon we we disappear he used to be uh, really successful a multi-billion uh, dollar uh, organization that he built um, and he was actually he used to invent i think sports management in the united states golf and tennis 
you know, promoting that, promoting stars, promoting, but also the, the events, et cetera, et cetera. So he was really uh, had an amazing impact there and was really a multi-billion dollar business. And he it was famous for various things. One of the things, though, I remember him for is um, the, the, the one thing he said about leaders, what, what does a good leader look like? And he would be quoted for saying that a good leader would say the following three things at least once a day. One, I don't know. Two, that's why I screwed up. And three, can you help me? I like that because it's really kind of uh, tapping into you know what is what is important to me today about authentic leaders. You know they are self-aware, as I said. You know they have this awareness of what you know what their strengths are, but also what their development uh, areas are. They are um, transparent about that, about their weaknesses, etc. And the other two I was going to get to in terms of what authentic leaders, uh, you know, what authentic leadership's definition is. Um, they have a strong internal moral compass, if you like, an pr- internal moral perspective. And um, so authenticity is more than just being yourself, just showing what's inside of you. Now, I very often talk about Donald Trump these days. I don't know why, because people you know, would, would question me and say, you know, so Donald Trump, isn't he authentic? Because he's just the way he is, and he's just, you know, there's... And uh, if you go back to that kind of definition, I'd probably say, no, he's not, because you know, I wouldn't see, you know, from what, what I see from that person and many others, I fail to recognize that moral compass there, mm-hmm. that moral perspective. So that's probably one of the things. So it's not, it's not enough um, just to, let's say, say what's on your mind, because no. that mm-hmm. can be a lot of things you probably absolutely. should not say at yeah, all. Absolutely. But it's like the combination of that moral compass and yeah, and, and the fourth one also, I would say, the fourth element here beyond being transparent, beyond being self-aware, having the moral compass, then the fourth one would be to be able uh, to to analyze information in a very objective and balanced way, even though, even that kind of information, which is probably maybe contradicting your own position in the beginning to begin with, et cetera. So authentic leaders would do that because they see beyond themselves. They want to have the you know, most objective picture. What is the reality out there that we need to deal with? And so they're actually actively looking for information that falsify, you know, falsifies their original thought pattern, et cetera. So objective processing of information, that's the fourth element there. If you go back to um, you know, how researchers operationalize the, the concept of authentic leadership. So that would be out there. Um, I myself, you know, kind of when I when I do work with leaders, I you know go back to the why, the the how, and the where too, makes it easier to actually work work along these lines. But I think those are very valuable and useful um, elements to to operationalize authentic leadership. But when when you were pointing out these elements um, that are making leadership authentic, I think lots of those are in in let's say a lot of our conservative thinking, normally not those that we would connect with good leadership because in our still world, in so many cases, uh, like you said, it can be misconceived as weakness. Mm-hmm. So is it something where I, 
where I could say like this is something which comes still out from let's say a male domination because let's say in in, in the male dominated world you cannot show weakness you have to be the, the tough guy and so on and and this can change now the more we get now female leadership women coming up into the leadership positions and um, probably putting on there a quite different way of interacting with that topic. Well, that would be my hope, um, that we have enough maturity, to, you know, today as, in a society, as a society also, and, re you know, realize that, you know, me personally, my opinion is that, you know, we, we certainly need more female leaders because, I mean, there are certain attributes. I mean, not to, I mean, they, we got to differentiate, I mean, in terms of what is, what is, uh, uh, what does science tell us in terms of you know gender differences, et cetera, and you know and just putting all uh, ladies into the into the bucket where you know they're a lot uh, more em empathetic and better leaders, et cetera, per se, I think I wouldn't go that far. But today, I mean, you know, just looking at the environment today where we are today and looking at the history of male dominated leadership roles, I mean, that kind of you know tells you the story why we need female leaders. Yeah. so I, I'm all for it, absolutely. Mm. But not as you know, I pro I'm as a psychologist probably more looking at the competency than of the individual, not so much obviously at, at the gender. Um, but you know, going back to what I said earlier about emotions and feelings uh, and being uh, open about that, I think that's one of the most overlooked strengths. Um, that again, misconception is uh, feelings are signs of weakness, but I mean. We have known that in the academic field for so long and also in, in real life that we are emotional beings, right? And all of us are, even the most rational ones. Uh, we, we decide based on emotions. Decision-making is emotional. And then afterwards, after we make a decision, we go back and kind of try, try to rationalize why we decide certain ways. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just what has been proven so, mm -hmm. so many times. And uh, we're not... We try to push aside all the emotions and the feelings and try to discard that because we think, you know, in order, you know, top line, bottom line, all these decisions, you need to be sound and need to be, of course, but we need to acknowledge also that, again, decision-making is absolutely emotional. And the difference between emotions and feelings, just to, just to complete the thought there, is very important to distinguish that. Emotions, well, let's put it the other way around, feelings are um, emotions that have been reflected upon. Yeah, there's a differentiation there. Feelings basically are in your neocortex, whereas emotions are really the the animal brain, so to speak. Right? They, it happens on a different level. You know, the core emotions, you know, anger and happiness and all these type of things happen at a certain level. But once once you reflect on that, and if you are more aware of yourself, you know, going back to the concept of of, of self-awareness, there that's when when you can actually tap into the power of feelings. And if you do that, you are much more successful. If you are a leader who is more aware of their, of their feelings and can use that uh, to their advantage and the advantage of their teams and their organizations, et cetera. So it's a huge source uh, of power, if you like. So if you're power-driven individuals, you want to tap into mm -hmm. that source of, of feelings. When you say the, the effects authentic leaders have on organizations, um, let, let's go into that point. What kind of effects does authentic leadership have and I mean in, in like three aspects, like the overall success maybe of an organization, of a company, are authentic leaders the more successful ones? What kind of effect also but has this, of course, on like their social environment, their peers, but also on themselves, on their personal, let's say, welfare, success, 
and so on. Yeah, I like the differentiation. Uh, there, there has been studies out there that definitely show that authentic leaders, <clears throat> if they have the ability to show their, their competence, they have a definitely top line, bottom line effect on the organization. Um, not by themselves, they gotta be embedded in an organization that appreciates this type of leadership, right? I mean, it's a, it's a give and take situation. By themselves, in the, you know, as one single authentic leader, you're not gonna turn the wheel. You're not gonna mm. turn, you know, you're not gonna have the impact there. But if you're embedded yourself in, in an organization, if you found an organization that really helps you flourish as an authentic leader, you're, you tend to be more successful than inauthentic leaders um, for various reasons. and. Um, I think, um, and there's various um, variables if you look at how the success is then being measured, right? It, it, but it, it is uh, the hard facts, bottom line and top line. Via, um, it's mitigated via the motivation of your team. You know, you're, you tend to have more uh, trust as an authentic leader. People trust you more because, you know, you're, I mean, easy to understand. You, you talk about your needs, you're talking about your drive, your, your motives, your weaknesses, et cetera. Um, and that in, it, uh, in itself uh, leads people to trust you more and people trust you more, obviously. Um, they tend to work harder, and that's another uh, effect that we've seen there on the team level there. And they tend to work harder, they achieve results more easily, et cetera. Authentic leaders also have the ability to talk about their mistakes more openly, as I said. And there is an interesting study showing that um, what's the impact of showing your weakness, uh, quote unquote, right? I mean, uh, showing your, your development areas. That usually leads to people being more open or your team being more open about their own mistakes as well. And think about the environment where we're in. We're in a, you know, we're talk, everybody talks about agility, right? Agile, scrum techniques, iterative processes, you know, prototyping, starting again, fading fast, fading often, you name it. And in that environment, it's really extremely useful to be open about your mistakes, because especially as a team also, but also as a leader. Why is that? because it helps you to shorten the processes, the iterative processes within an agile work environment. Mm. You get to the end result so much faster. Oh, faster learning curve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's, so there's just, and there's so many studies out there that highlight the many uh, positive uh, effects that an authentic leadership can have on your team. Absenteeism, for instance, you know, people, work for an authentic leader, they show up more frequently. You know, they don't stay home. They, get, they don't get burnout, burnout, emotional impact also. Um, interesting studies out there. You name it. I mean, on all the different levels, emotional level, physical level, performance level, uh, it's positive impact there. Uh, less mobbing, you know, if you want to talk about negative correlations, you know, the more authentic you are as a leader, the, the fewer the incidences uh, in your team in terms of harassment, mobbing, et cetera. You know, there's a the Me Too uh, movement there. You know, things happen. I'm, uh, may, absolutely astonishing um, uh, research on that front as well. Since we were talking about authentic leadership, what would be, let's say, a typical non-authentic leader? And I'm not just meaning like the opposite of an authentic leader, but how do, for example, we know these famous concepts like impression management, mm. yeah, and or micromanagement and mm -hmm. so on. Is this the opposite of an authentic leader? Or is it a non-authentic leader mm. who may fall in these categories? Well, that's an interesting question. I think authentic leaders also would like to make a good impression. I would say that it, it's not mutually exclusive. I think you can be an authentic leader, be on a stage and try to make a good impression. But I think authentic leaders make an impression in a different way. 
it's more, you know, when you're in the audience and you have somebody up there who is open and frank about, you know, where they screwed up. And I'm not saying authentic leaders just talk about their mistakes all day. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. You know, they, they do great things and they talk about that as well. But um, if, if you're in the audience and you have somebody up there who really speaks to your heart and he really moves you because, you know, they speak from their why. And, I, you know, I mean, everybody has heard about the Golden Circle and Simon Sinek, et cetera. So there is some truth in there. You know, if you start, if you begin to tell stories and authentic stories, people listen to you in a different way. Um, and you, leave a, you make a good impression. I mean, I think it's just a nice side effect of an authentic leader. I mean, but they're no, they're, they're, main concern is not really making a good impression. They just happen to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, as I like to say, you know, you just focus on your audience. I think they do that more. They focus on the audience, what their needs are, where they are in terms of their level of expertise, what, you know, what, who's in the audience, et cetera. So they, they think along these lines more. They kind of turn around the spotlight from themselves to the audience and their needs. They ask those questions a lot more. And that's why presentations usually uh, given by authentic leaders are so much more engaging and interesting because they are not concerned about themselves anymore. Um, so they make a good impression, but not by design. It's more like by default, uh, whereas people mostly concerned or mainly concerned about their impression management, mm -hmm. you know, getting, the, getting ahead, making a good impression on their boss, et cetera, getting the next promotion, et cetera, you name it. Um, they probably are technically also brilliant. I mean, they have nice presentations. And I'm not saying you just get up there and have a presentation. You have to prepare, you know, whether you're an authentic leader or not. But uh, they probably get overwhelmed or focus too much on how they present and not so much the why. So uh, why are you up there? What's your message? Uh, that's, that's the important thing. So, so probably that the, let's say, unauthentic or the impression managers, they construct their benefits more or put more action into, like, constructing their benefits by the authentic leaders um, by... Um, are more natural, more tangible in communicating the goodies, the good things that are happening in their environment. Yeah, I think going back to what I said about the four elements, I think you know when you are more open to all sorts of information, even the ones that contradict you, mm -hmm. and if you're concerned about you know getting it right on a um, on a basis where you are just a piece of the puzzle, if you're just not putting yourself on a uh, you know, on, on the stage yourself, if you're just about the message, if you're about the, you know, getting the organization ahead, et cetera, and, you know, being more selfless, um, that may come across as being natural leaders. I don't really think there's such a thing as a natural leader. I think, again, as we saw, as we talked about earlier, you need to learn these things also. What what moves people? How, do you, how can you inspire, et cetera? Um, but from my experience, I would say, yes, people who are more self-aware, who are more transparent, who are you know, looking at information from all different uh, areas, et cetera, when, and who have that moral compass, um, going back to the four elements that we talked about, they tend to be um, more, they, they come across as natural leaders, yeah. Uh -huh. Because leadership, I guess, as, as far as I'm concerned, is not about the leader, it's about those you, who you lead, you know, what, what are their needs? And being concerned about that and how you can actually lift them up and get them to places where they want to be. Uh, rather than you know just uh, having the spotlight on yourself as a leader. What do you think why we actually do have to talk about this at all? <laughs> because in a certain way, in let's let's put Darwin on the table. Mm -hmm. In a perfect world, authentic leaders should then, of course, um, dominate 
societies or let's say companies um, over unauthentic leader and by time the unauthentic leader should more or less to quote Darwin again die out and we would just have now authentic leaders probably it's not so easy um, so why are we now not yet maybe yet full of authentic leaders and what factors may hinder <laughs> let's say the success of, of yeah. authentic leaders yeah. That's 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 a good question. I think yeah, looking at Darwin, looking at evolution theory, uh, you know, survival of the fittest. He said, right, yeah. the survival of the fittest. And to if we're with that quote, obviously we got to understand first of all what's fit mean in a, in the original sense. Darwin Darwin put it, and he meant adaptable. It's not the strongest, and that he was referring to the most adaptable. And I think that's for that reason, yeah, I th we still see those alpha animals, the more autocratic and self-involved narcissistic leaders today, because um, they're pretty good at being flexible, you know, turning their, uh, turning around, you know, what they're being asked and not being worried about values, something that, you know, they stand for and maybe uh, not uh, putting themselves in conflicts, um, you know, just being more adaptable and agreeable with, with whatever the organization asks of you. And that's why we see them around, because you know the flexibility and adaptability is something that evolution obviously rewards. Um, so that's true. But today, in today's uh, environment, um, I think the more uncertain the environment, uh, digitalization, automation, we've talked about that, the information overload, um, there's also a need, not just for flexibility, because we have physical and um, psychological a limit to how flexible we are. You know, I talk about burnout in that context a lot. You know, if you're just agile, if you're just adapting to whatever is out there, you know, I mean, there's the, 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 that path is going to get you into burnout. And a good uh, antidote uh, to, to burnout or to just being agile is authenticity. Because authentic leaders also are not, they're flexible and they're adaptable. But in addition to that, they're also providing stability because they know their why, they know their values, they know why they lead, and that in itself gives you inner clarity and stability, and you can provide, and once you are clear inside and you know your path and your why, you can give that stability also to, to your team, to the organization. So, um, yeah, being flexible is good, but also ag agility in itself, you know, you have to have agility and uh, authenticity to have this stability there. And, th and we're just beginning to see that, and when you say why aren't, are not all leaders authentic right now because I think in the past flexibility would have been enough. But I think today's environment really uncertain. I mean, we see a lot of. Um, I think we're at the verge of the next. Uh, now, like many call it, the fourth industrial uh, revolution, etc. Uh, if you look at um, you know, so for instance, uh, Richard Richard David Brecht uh, in, the, in the German-speaking arena, but also Andrew Yang, who's like a Democratic candidate right now for in the United States, an interesting candidate to, definitely to look up. Um, and we're at the verge of a revolution, and in, this, in these uncertain times, we need individuals, authentic leaders, as if you ask me, who provide the stability and the North Star, you know, the orientation. So know your why, know your where to, regardless of um, what's happening out there. So basically have both, have a clear vision and stability, you know, but combine that with being adaptable in the short term. So that's definitely something that authentic leaders are probably better at uh, compared to their inauthentic uh, counterparts. When I say I really like this concept and you say like an authentic leader, of course, is not born like this. Mm -hmm. um, 
is, is this a conce concept which can be adopted by everyone? Or does it need certain, let's call it characteristics or let's say types of personality? Because maybe there are people who like may feel themselves because maybe of missing, um, missing let's say characteristics, not being able to adapt to this. Or maybe there are some persons from concerned the personalities where, for God's sake, they it's better if they're not authentic. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, the the, per, the concept of personality obviously is very interesting to take a look at. I mean, there's much research out there. I'm looking at personality types. Um, <laughs> And you know, and, and I find it interesting that um, there's much talk. Many leaders have probably been um, confronted, I say, with you know the different colors. What kind, what kind of leadership type are you? The red, the blue, the green, and the you know what you have it. Um, I have to burst the bubble here a little bit because these things are maybe good when you want to look at you know. Um, getting leaders to reflect more on themselves, you know, starting starting the reflection process of who you are, um, and then types are tip, typology is, is an interesting concept. Gets the the um, the ball running, so to speak, you know, to think about along these lines, be a little bit more susceptible and open to these concepts. But there are no such thing as types. If you look at it, you know, scientifically and from a statistic diagnostic point of view, I mean, that's these things haven't been proven, haven't been standing their their ground. Um, yeah, but there's there's diagnostic instruments out there which are quite valuable. I'm not going to name too many of them here, but um, there's a couple that um, that are reliable and valid, etc. So if you want to look at that, but they're not going as far as to say you know you have you have a different personality type. They look they look at uh, competencies, capabilities, etc. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. And there's some good instruments out there. I wouldn't say that it requires a certain personality type or even a, a setup of certain competencies that you would have to have in order to be an authentic leader. I think the requirement, the main requirement, would be to be open about it. Um, and even personality, even if you think of yourself as a rigid personality, I'm not, you know, I'm just, uh, I don't know, just from the top of my head, I'm, I'm too uh, introverted to be an authentic leader, etc. I'm not talking about, you know, mistakes. You don't have to, first of all, you don't have to talk about mistakes. Hope, you know, it, it, this, this doesn't come across as authentic leader equals, you know, talk about your mistakes all the time. That's not what it is. But, you know, let's say, you know, somebody says, you know, I'm not this kind of uh, authentic leader. I don't want to be... Uh, I don't want to go down that way because I have certain characteristics. You know what I'm thinking of right now? I'm thinking of the uh, Christmas story, right? Mm -hmm. The Scrooge. Yeah. You know, the Scrooge. I mean, even there, there were three ghosts in that mm -hmm. story. I mean, it started with this narcissistic Machiavellian uh, egomaniac who just, you know, had his own interests in mind, etc. And he was just so greedy and taking advantage of everybody. And then the three ghosts appeared and kind of confronted him with the reality of of his life, right? Yep. And there, Past, present, and future. Yeah, and there, mm -hmm. there it changed all of a sudden, right? He had, at the end of this story, he was turned into the most uh, benevolent and uh, warm person and empathic, altruistic person. So a complete change of personality. And um, those ghosts in that story, I guess, uh, you know, kind of resemble what can happen to all of us, you know, when you have some drastic and, uh, life events happen to you, right? And uh, that's usually where also I begin my journey with individuals with high performers. You know, they have these life events, you know, the, the loss of a beloved one kind of confronts them with who they are. Is it just, you know, being, being uh, successful, being regarded highly in the professional world? Or, you know, what's life about beyond that, et cetera? And there's, it doesn't have to be the loss of the beloved one. It could be the loss of your job, you know, providing much of your professional or identity in life 
you've always been, you know, spending 50, 60 hours at least in, you know, in, in high paying jobs. And that's taken up uh, at least a quarter of your life. And you're beginning to ask yourself these type of questions. And that's where the personality can change or the interest in your life can change so much that even those former rigid, uh, just egomaniacs, I want to say, uh, turn around and begin them to, to ask themselves these deeper questions. And um, I think what I'm saying here is everybody can be an authentic leader if you're open and if you're brave enough to start to look inside. When somebody is open and really interested in this topic and you would have to give him one recommendation, what would it be? A recommendation to do what? To like when he wants to become deeper involved in that concept and wants to become what we outlined here, a authentic leader. Well, one is you know, on an individual level, start to ask yourself the right questions. You know, why is that? Why do you think, what, what do you, where do you see the benefits? You know, beyond what we've talked about right here, what does it personally mean to that person? Why do they want to be more authentic? What are they lacking currently in their lives? You know, asking yourself about what are the, what are the costs that I do pay for their, my current life, right? I'm a big fan of, a, you know, cost-benefit analysis. I kind of like this two by two, right? You have a plus and a minus, and you have also the, the where you are right now, where you want to be. Very often we are very good at identifying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. We always see the plus on the, you know, where you want to be, and we see the minus where we are today. And if you indeed say that, you know, authentic leadership may be something that's really interesting, I would want to challenge that person also, ask them, you know, why are you successful today? What's good in your current leadership style? What's the plus of the current status? And also what's, you know, be aware of the minuses that you, that come along with being authentic. And that means, Look at your current environment. Is that conducive to being authentic? Is that, or is like, do we have a completely different culture in where you are right now? If you do, obviously you got to make a decision. Can you thrive in this environment? Do you want to change? Do you want to be the, you know, the spark that kind of lights up a bushfire and actually changes the culture? Is that a battle you want to fight? Do you want to orient yourself towards you know, working for another organization, etc.? So it's it's got to be a thought process. It's just, uh, you know, I think my advice would be think about that. Do the two by two cost analysis, um, cost benefit analysis, and uh, be clear about it. And then, you know, if you want to go down that path, you know, dive dive into your um, the meaning of your life, asking yourself the right questions, and uh, yeah, spread the news. I think it's just uh, a fantastic concept. I think it's more than a concept. It's really going deeper than leadership styles out there. If you ask me, it's more like an attitude. It's a life-changing mentality. You know, want to be authentic and want to be an authentic leader. That's that. You know, research research seems to. Um, uh, agree with that, that it's it's definitely going deeper than just another leadership style. Authentic leaders can be charismatic, they can be transformational, transactional, etc., but they also, uh, they don't have to. It's just, uh, it's on a deeper level. When people want to follow you, where can they do that best? Or get in contact with you? Yeah, I, I, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can on social media, I think you, you get me there. Um, my homepage, um, do you have a URL to share? Yeah, um, it's in German. It, it is uh, mein authentisches Selbst, mein minus authentisches minus selbst dot de, um, or Heidenreich minus consulting. You find me there. Perfect, Sven. Very interesting. I Thank loved you. it. Thank Th you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. Bye bye. Bye bye.